We're building this city one day at a time. Welcome to Grow Lincoln, the program with Lincoln's future in mind. Your hosts are former Lincoln City Councilwoman Robin Eshelman and Dave Albers, two experts in the field of commercial real estate and business development. Now, it's time to Grow Lincoln on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome to Lincoln's only business, real estate development and construction show on mass media in Lincoln. We're here for you with interviews with company owners and news about businesses growing in Lincoln. And this segment is possible today because of Nebraska Green Sorghum Board, Lower Platte South Natural Resource District. Coming up in the show, new building going up at 56th and Pine Lake Road. And I've been told there's just really no land left to develop at 56th and Pine Lake Road. Well, this is a good thing, Robin. You know, Not to have land left Well, to I mean, develop? it's a good thing that the city's growing enough so that we're, we're you know, a, getting all of our land and we're going to have to get to, F- filled to up filled up and moving to the outskirts. it's not that it's not outskirts anymore no and then we've got a county commissioner don't we robin realtor roma amundsen who's yes yeah, she is both a realtor and a county commissioner we're going to talk to her about how the city limits are expanding into the county how that all works together and what it's like to be a realtor um, navigating all those different competing interests that they have to deal with. Yes, and uh, supporting employees with chronic health conditions in the workplace. Uh, It's an issue that, you know, some of our employers have to deal with and certainly uh, some employees have to deal with. Yeah, um, we've had kind of a little theme going on in our show the last few weeks about uh, bringing humanity and grace into the workplace. And, And our guest today is a cancer survivor. He's been struggling with it for long uh, many years, and he's had a great employer who's been supportive. So we're going to hear that story. Well, let's introduce our first guest. Brian Clanworth is here from HBE Accounting. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me on this morning. Well, thanks for coming. Um, you guys have some growth and expansion news. Perfect for our show. Tell us um, about your company, where it's located, and where this construction project is. Yeah. So we're located over at 56 in Pine Lake, and We built our building there, I think, in late 2011, so it's been a little over a decade now. And it's been crazy watching the growth of that area since we've built out there, because it was pretty empty still when we built out there. It was cornfields, yeah. And now it's completely full, and it's kind of fun that now we're actually taking part again in the growth out there. We're building a second building across the parking lot from our existing building. So hopefully within the next couple of weeks, we'll be moving some of our staff over there. You know, we're going to keep both buildings, so we're going to actually grow our footprint here in Lincoln. And we're just really excited about it because not only does it give us space to grow and add more employees, but it's giving us some space to better utilize the resources that we have. You know, we're kind of reconfiguring spaces and being able to be a little bit more thoughtful about what we do with our employee spaces as well. So it's going to be really exciting for us. Now, that's interesting that you're doing two buildings. How many employees do you have? So we have about 120 employees total. I Um, did not know you had Yeah, we've grown a lot. You know, most of those are here in Lincoln. We do have offices in Omaha and Norfolk as well as remote employees. But probably 70 or so of our employees are here in Lincoln. 70 people over there at 56 in Pine Lake. Um, My question is, 
instead of expanding your existing building, you're going to build a, a separate, separate building. building. You know, we looked at a couple of different things, and just with the layout and where we were, we realized it was going to be smarter to build the second building. Um, you know, it'll be a little bit different being across the parking lot, but it's still, you know, we're right there, so it'll be we think pretty nice. So are you going to have different functions in different buildings? We are, yep. So we're going to move our outsourced accounting and our assurance departments over to the new building just because it's not set up as much to be client-facing with our receptionists and some of our larger conference rooms and then keep our tax and wealth management in the uh, original building, we'll call it. I I, I was uh, expecting that uh, answer. So And I guess we didn't explain to people which corner of the intersection this is, but yes. that it's the Walgreens corner. Yep. yep. Not not the it's across the street from Campbell's. Yep. So we've got a nice view looking out over at the pond and everything from Campbell's, which we really enjoy. And then going the other direction would be the Madonna fitness exactly. facilities. Yep. So those are on either mm-hmm. side of you. Yeah. Um we have heard that Lincoln has a shortage of accounting professionals and I've also heard that's the situation on the national level. Now if you've got over a hundred of them, you must be getting them all. But do you agree with that? Or I mean, I, there's definitely a shortage nationwide, and it's just you know you got folks that are retiring from the profession and just changing how students come into the accounting profession. You know, Lincoln in the Midwest overall, I would say, has probably fared maybe a little bit better. Not to say that it's not tight, but there's still been some great opportunities. You know, we as a firm, we've been really able to hire. Um, not only consistently, but hire some really good people and actually get some experienced people as well. So it just kind of depends. You know, we're having to put more effort in probably on the recruiting side, but we're still able to find some really great people and retain some great talent. Do you think part of that is the fact that we're here in Lincoln with the university here? I think that definitely helps. And, you know, what's nice for a firm like ours where, you know, we're not a small firm by any means with 120 people, but we're able to work more locally with the clients. And so you can really see the impacts that we're making with the clients that we serve. And so I think that's appealing to a lot of the students that maybe don't want to do some of the traditional accounting of the really high hours and things like that. There's a nice alternative that we offer too. We've um, heard a lot of buzz in the state legislative session that nothing got done until the last minute. Um, do you know of anything that in the accounting world or affects us in business? And and then we'll have you talk about the state level, too, if we can fit that in. Yes. Too. It, yeah. What, what sort of legislation should business owners who've been too busy to notice what's going on or couldn't keep up with that whole legislative thing? What's What's been happening? Yeah. You know, Nebraska actually made some pretty substantive changes this year. Like you said, it kind of came together at the last minute. A lot got consolidated to make it work, but, you know, really out of the tax legislation that we got this year, LB 754, there were two key provisions that affect business owners, and that's lower tax rates and the pass-through entity tax. So lower tax rates, you know, that was something that Governor Pillen brought in as a pretty strong priority of his when he came into office. And what we're seeing with that is that over the next couple of years, by 2027, Tax rates for individuals and businesses, and you know, individuals would be include partnerships and S corps and a lot of pass through businesses are going down to 3.99%. You know, currently businesses have been, or corporations have been at just over 7.5%, and individuals have been close to 7%. So this is a pretty substantial change. That is. And it helps both in 
kind of looking at the government here in Nebraska has been operating at a surplus the last couple of years. So trying to return some of that money back to taxpayers, realizing that maybe we're over collecting and trying to do that. But the other thing, too, is it's bringing better parity with some of the states around us. You know, South Dakota doesn't have a tax and um, Colorado and Iowa have both lowered their tax rate. So it just brings us a little bit more competitive. Great. Well, we really appreciate you coming in. Thank you. Uh, always good information to get from uh, accountants. Yeah and, yeah. and congratulations on your new building. Thank you. We're excited about it. Yeah. Coming up next, Roma Amundsen will be in. She's a realtor and a county commissioner, and she's going to talk a little bit more about this growth that we're hearing on the edges of Lincoln. It's Grow Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. This is Robin Eshelman of Eshelman Commercial Real Estate here. And Dave Albers of the Albers Company. And this segment is possible today because of Service Master Professional Building Maintenance and University of Nebraska-Lincoln College of Business. Realtor Roundtable here. We brought in a residential realtor, and I'm pretty sure you are a member of the Realtors Association of Lincoln. Yes, <laughs> Roma uh, Amundsen. Did I say that right? Amundsen. Mm -hmm. And she is a county commissioner as well, elected to office. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. We'd like to hear how the city is expanding into the county and how and also maybe kind of a 101 to people for how the two political bodies, the city council and the county commissioners, have to work with each other. Yeah, I'd be glad to do that. Yes, the city is expanding into the county. I think that's very obvious when you drive down any of the arterial streets, you know, going into the county because you can see a residential building. And there are some new things coming out there, too. You know, for example, the Canoyers uh, Garden Nursing Center. Garden, yeah, Garden yeah. Center, yeah. And then we also That's have... That's at 98th and... Is it A or Van Dorn? Uh, One of the two. Out east. Yeah. Yeah. East, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and anyway, so that that is a huge nursery, and it really covers a lot of area. I was really surprised to see that spring up. And then also, you know, I was uh, I just recently met a constituent who owns the um, Picnic Hill Orchard out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Picnic That's Hill nice. Orchard. Yeah. And that is really a – that is a fantastic place. And he has just hundreds of trees, and there's tomatoes, and there's blackberries, and he brings, uh, you know, people out for uh, for picnics, and a, you know, it's it's a great opportunity to go out there and get some fresh fruit. Is he one of our people also that does uh, these farmer mar farmers markets that we see on Saturdays? Hmm, or he probably does. I know that he a lot of people doing. That. I know that there's a lot of kids that come out, you know, and tour that, and also some rest homes bring their people out. That's nice. Senior facilities. I, I'm sure you struggle to keep up with the infrastructure costs and the roads and things like mm -hmm. that. Talk a little bit about that. Actually, Pam Dingman is doing a really good job, you know, in terms of doing a lot of the maintenance work, you know, with the um, little box culverts, you know, that go in and also replacing the tubes, the, the right. metal cu culverts. And uh, that's really good. She's got her maintainers out there, you know, and they're, they're maintaining the road. But I'll tell you what, with the traffic increase, it is tough. And so I think that, you know, I think the cutoff is right around three to 400 cars per day. That's, that almost requires paving. And as far as the cost of gravel is concerned, that is very expensive. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yes, we are uh, working with that. You did ask the question about how the community bodies work together. Right. Yes. yes. Okay. And this is one of the areas, too, because, um, you know, Pam has to deal with the city in terms of some of the roads. Yeah. And what just, are just the- for a reference point, I, I, Pam, that you're talking about is Pam Digman, who is the county engineer. Yes, yes. yes. She's a, yeah. Yes. Yeah, she's an elected right. official. Right. And anyway, so she many times has to work with the city because, for example, on South 98th Street with the projected growth of the city, uh, the, the city does expect, expect a roundabout, you know. So that, as we work with that. Another roundabout. <laughs> <laughs> Another roundabout. That's exactly right. And, of course, then, you know, we work with uh, uh, planning. Now, planning department is, as you know, having been on the city council, interlocal. Right. And so uh, we work with planning, with Dave Carey. The, the, the city right. planning department. The, the planning. county people yeah. work and with the, them, too. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. That's right. an interlocal. So they are planning for this. I mean, they plan together. And as you know, we have the 2050 plan, and that was developed by the planning department with input from city and county. And also, the Metropolitan uh, Metropolitan Traffic Organization, MPO, Metropolitan uh, planning, planning. Organiz- yeah, they yeah. do. Uh, yeah. they, they they work with the federal funds. The federal funds for they, roads. Yeah, that's federal funds, and so actually the the city gets seventy percent, <clears throat> and the county gets thirty. Yeah, and so, so that is a nice thing. There's a lot of cooperation there, and mm-hmm. people who live in acreages expect their lifestyle to stay the same. And so I was wondering about those lawsuits, the chicken farm mm-hmm. and the solar farm, which appear to go through all the paces that, you know, they went through everything they were supposed to go through to get approved, but there's still lawsuits, right? Or did the lawsuits get settled, or where well, are the we? lawsuits? Did, well, actually, with the southwestern one down in that southwest corner of Lancaster County, right? Um, the people had brought that. The acreage owners had brought that against um, the, the farmer. Yeah. And anyway, that one is settled. It was approved, and it is operating. So the the chicken farm went in. Yeah, the chicken farm okay. went in. The one in the north didn't. In the northwest, did not. And um, there were some there were some issues with the water table mm. and the proximity to the schools. What anyway, about the solar farm? Solar farm with what what is within the city is okay, okay. And so there's no lawsuits there or anything like that. But when it comes to the uh, county, I think that they do have a lawsuit going. That's what I uh, thought. The county is not involved in that. It's with the it's with the acreage owners against the developer. Oh. and I believe that went to the um, that is scheduled for the state supreme court oh wow yeah well that's gonna really fighting that yeah Yeah. that's that's a real deal and you know then we also have the wind farms that are talked about but there are some rather specific uh requirements in the special permits and so we don't have any as of this time we have no permits requested well hey your day job you're a realtor yeah yeah uh, why don't you kind of talk to us about, you know, how the, how it might be a little bit difficult to deal with, you know, people's rural lives. And then you're out here, uh, and those being your constituents and then people wanting to grow the city. The, well, there are acreage owners who want to sell and do get caught in that tension between the people who don't want to sell and the rights of the people that do want to sell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, what, how I deal with it is always you have to talk with planning again find out a little bit about what's planned for the future 
you know? In that specific area. In that specific area. That's exactly yeah. right. And from my understanding that uh, the acreage owners can sell to whomever, but now the acreage owners right now, to to create another acreage development, that is going to require approval by the planning department because right. we have so many lots out there that I think that lots and acreage lots and planned developments already, that it goes into quite a few years mm. in the future. And I'm not sure that they're approving anymore. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's been harder to get your acreage developments platted uh, than mm -hmm. what it used to be. And then they want to have a build-through provision yeah. uh, on those. There's not as much freedom as <laughs> someone might you, think. Then you have to realize, you know, you've got the South Beltway right there, too, which is already completed. But then the East Beltway is coming in. And so we have to protect that corridor. Right. Well, so it sounds like more of your, your tensions that you run into are really more the people against the government regulation than neighbor against neighbor. Why I are you selling? True. Why are you selling? Yeah. I, you shouldn't be selling that to that guy. Yeah, <laughs> I think that you're Robin. I think you're right on track. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, this is really interesting. Thanks a lot for your service. Actually, you've been there for many years with a county commissioner. Well, this is my 11th year. Yeah, you've wow. been in there for a mm -hmm. long time. Thanks for your service. You've been listening to Robin and Dave on Girl Lincoln. When we come back, an update on Dipping into retirement plans, has anything changed? Is that a good idea all of a sudden now? We'll be right back. Everyone is excited about new business, and our business is to tell you what's new. This is Grow Lincoln on 1499.3 KLIN. Get hooked on us at Grow Lincoln. That is with your earbuds. Our podcast is on the KLIN website. We're here to make business relevant and even fun to learn about. And this segment is possible today because of Lincoln Airport Authority, Charter Title, and Nebraska Prep Equipment. Should you withdraw money from a retirement plan with interest rates going up? Um, have things changed a little bit? Things to consider when looking at the bigger picture. Welcome to the show, Roger Frank from Frank Financial Concepts. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me again. Well, great, Roger. Well, what do you think of Robin's question there? You know, are these things we well, need to look at? Absolutely. You know, a little background. I do have clients in 32 states currently. And, you know, by and large, each family are different in lifestyles, maybe goals, maybe even thoughts on money. You know, I've helped through the years, family deaths, uh, divorces, marriages, buying a home, downsizing through the years. And what I really try to help clients uh, is to think about the big picture versus what is in front of them today. So the retirement plan question certainly affects that future thoughts as you're doing that withdrawal. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a general sense that it's not a good uh, idea to do this. But, you know, other than the fact that you might not end up with any money at retirement, what are the recommendations? What are your recommendations? Yeah, generally, you're right. It's not a good thing to pull money out of a retirement plan. Um, you know, it shouldn't be used as a savings account. It's a long-term investment for retirement. But if you had to take money out, I think the first thing you got to think about is the tax and or tax penalty implications. For instance, if you're over 59 and a half, you're going to pay federal and state taxes based on your income tax bracket. So that's pretty straightforward. But if you're under 59 and a half, then you're also going to have to pay a tax penalty for the withdrawal. And depending on what state you live in, there may be a, sta a state penalty as well. 
So I would suggest that you visit with your tax preparer to make sure you understand the tax ramifications from that side. But, you know, the next question is, is what is the money for? So let's say you're buying a car. You know, as you know, a car is depreciable asset. And so you're not only paying taxes on the withdrawal and or penalties on the withdrawal, but you'll never get your money back from the car when you sell it. Instead of taking the money from a retirement plan, maybe ask yourself, is a loan a better option? And if you have enough cash flow coming in from your income, using that to pay off the loan versus taking the withdrawal out of the retirement plan. Now, with interest rates being high, and there's no guarantee that they aren't going to start going up again, um, should people think about paying off their house? Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually I don't suggest that either. Um you know, it's not a good idea, again, to take money from a retirement plan. But, you know, let's say that the balance is a pretty small amount. Um, maybe I could argue it's a good move. I'd rather see you pay extra money each money, pay off the loan uh, sooner uh, than pay taxes or penalties for the withdrawal from the retirement plan. I've had clients that have inherited non-retirement money from their parents, as an example. And sometimes they'll use some or all of that to pay off the house. That might be a better option for you. Yeah. Well, I assume your answer is probably the same uh, when it comes to credit cards and pulling money uh, from the retirement plan. Yeah, I wouldn't suggest that either. Um, You're taking money from the future to pay a debt that certainly could have been avoided in the first place. I've had clients through the years withdraw money from retirement plans, really from all sorts of things, Uh, things like new tires on a car, as an example, a fence in the backyard, credit cards, of course vacations, and and many more things. What about withdrawing money from a retirement account to start a business? Because I suspect a lot of my clients have done this, um, especially the ones that bought franchises. And in theory, I suppose they rationalize that it's going to earn a return. Yeah, I can't think of anybody off the top of my mind and my clients that have pulled money out of a retirement plan to buy a business. Uh, Now, I have had clients withdraw money out of a retirement plan to keep a business going. Uh, So, you know, that maybe you might have to do that if that's your uh, last resort. But, you know, the future is not today. So I suggest saving for those big ticket items the best that you can. Keep the retirement funds growing tax deferred and use them when you retire. It certainly will make your retirement more comfortable and more enjoyable. Well, thank you, Roger. Yeah. stay Stay cool on a warm weekend, okay? Will do. Thank you. Roger Frank is a registered representative of and securities offered through Berthel Fisher and Company Financial Services Inc. BFCFS member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through BFC Planning Inc. Frank Financial Concepts, BFCFS and BFC Planning Inc. are independent entities. I'm a client of Roger and I'm not being compensated. Coming up next, supporting employees with chronic health issues in the workplace. We'll be right back. Economic development is not boring. It's our future. It's Grow Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Happy to bring you this show on AM, FM, streaming, and podcast. If you want to hear past Grow Lincoln episodes with business openings, closings, and interviews with business owners and managers in our community, check out KLIN.com in the podcast section of the website. And this segment is possible today because of John Henry's Plumbing, Heating and Air Conditioning, 
Lincoln Chamber of Commerce, and Baylor, Evnen, Wolf, and Tannehill Law Firm. We've had a theme on our show recently, Dave, bringing humanity yes, and have. grace into the workplace. Um, and so check out some of those past podcasts if you'd like to hear that. We want to set up this segment by explaining we have a guest who has experienced several years of cancer. It has had an impact on his trachea, too. Um, what we want to do is give employers and coworkers a window on how to approach others in the workplace who are dealing with chronic illness. Well, Dave Bundy has been with the Lincoln Journal Star since 2012 and is the editor of the newspaper. Welcome to our show, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for coming. Tell us about the type of cancer that you live with and, and how long your journey has been. Well, um Actually, in 2004, I was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer and uh, eventually got better from that, had a lot of cancer-free years. And then 2016, I was diagnosed with something called cholangiocarcinoma, which is actually bile duct cancer. It's a lot easier to spell and say. It's pretty rare. Um, I had to look it up. I'm, I'm one case. There are apparently about 8,000 other cases a year in the United States, and uh, it's still very unusual. So that's why you travel to Mayo for for treatments. And, you know, I guess maybe the good thing, you work for a large employer, and that's probably a lucky thing. Has your company been able to make accommodations for you? My company has been fantastic. In 2004, I had newborn twins right before I was diagnosed with cancer. They needed to remove half my liver in a pretty complicated operation at the Mayo Clinic. And we lived in Bismarck, North Dakota, so we drove nine hours there in a minivan with two twins. Some relatives oh. stayed with our young kids at home, six and three. And about a week after the operation, I was able to go home, and my boss, the publisher of the Bismarck Tribune, and the CEO of Lee Enterprises arranged to have the corporate jet fly me home, along oh. with my mom on board and our Two newborn twins in car seats. And oh, my. The pilots goodness. hefted them onto the, I couldn't lift anything. The pilots hefted them on, strapped them into this 12 person jet. The CEO had left gift bags for the kids with little, oh. uh, little tiny uh, stuffed animals and books and puzzles for my and snacks for my mom and me. And an hour later, we were back in Bismarck. And my wife, who'd spent the week juggling kids, and my parents had been there to help. She got a nice, quiet nine-hour drive back in the minivan without any of us. It was, <laughs> it was wonderful for everybody. I was going to ask about the that van. That was an all-around win. <laughs> it was a big win for yeah, everybody. Yeah, you made that work. Uh, well, and so Lee Enterprises is the parent company of the newspaper, so you've had a long, loyal career with them. Yeah, I've been some... with them for about 30 years. And, and in 2016, right before I was supposed to start radiation, there was a little hiccup. I was supposed to start on a Monday. On a Friday, uh, I got a call from Mayo saying that there was not, uh, there wasn't insurance approval yet. And it was Friday afternoon, and I said, "What should I do?" And they said, "Well, you should stay in Lincoln, or you can come up here and roll the dice that we'll get the approval." So I did the one thing I could think of. I called the CEO, who I did have a relationship with, and he said, um, "I'm not leaving the office this Friday until we get this sorted out." Oh. And at 7:30 on a Friday night, I got a call from the insurance company saying. You're cleared. Here's my name and number. When you go check in at the Mayo Clinic on Monday morning, if there's a problem, you have them call me. And, you know, I, I, they can't. Companies have policies and then companies have some wiggle room. And where there's been wiggle room, Lee Enterprises has been 
has done everything they could for me and my family. And, and I think out of the deal, they maybe got a little bit better employee because I've certainly learned some things through this Oh, that's inspiring. Well, the biggest thing I think most of us wonder when something like this happens, how much should we ask you when you are going through something like this, if we work with you? Um, Because it can it can feel awkward, it could even drift into discrimination issues at times. So talk a little bit about those days where you feel like talking about it and what you wish people would say. And Um, when employees with a chronic illness like yours would like to draw a line and not talk about it? It, It's hard to talk about generalities because there are some very private people. I'm a journalist. I've been telling people stories my whole life, and it felt kind of hypocritical the first time I had cancer not to tell my own story. And so I wrote a column about it. People reached out to me. And, um, you know, I'm happy to talk about it at any time because after I wrote that first uh, column in 2004 uh, about my colon cancer, I I got so much strength from the community around mm-hmm. me. I got people gave me ideas, practical things, inspiration. Um, and then I decided that the second time I had cancer in 2016, I had a rare kind and I was going to use my platform to try to help people the way I had been helped. And so when I write about it, when I've talked about it, when I posted about it on Facebook, a lot of times I'll have somebody else who has the same kind of cancer reach out and say, oh, where are you being treated? What's worked? What hasn't? How do you keep your mood up? What do you eat when you're feeling sick? Um, but I think that, you know, really it, it it's an individual thing for people. I am perfectly happy answering questions in the workplace when I go away for three days to the Mayo Clinic for my quarterly tests and a stent replacement. Um, I get, I, I always tell people exactly what I'm doing. We've had people in the workplace who want to volunteer less, and, and I I respect that. Um, and that's you're saying, just be tuned in. Just be, be tuned, tuned in. in and, yeah. if, and, and people should be able to articulate clearly. People could tell when I'm done talking. <laughs> what was the lowest point that you remember and how'd you pull yourself out of it i think in both instances in 2004 and in 2016 there was a moment that came in a doctor's office where they said you know there's not uh you know here's here's what your prognosis is and it's not like on tv a doctor doesn't say i'm giving you three years to live they say statistically speaking someone with your kind of cancer has a 95% chance of being dead in 18 to 24 months. And I've been told that twice. And I, you know, for whatever good reason, lucky reason, I beat the odds both times. And I recognize a lot of people didn't. They also tell you you've got things going for you. But I think both of those times when I heard, uh, I heard worse news than I expected. You know, the first time I had newborn twins when we heard it. The second time I felt like, you know, I had, I'd had 15 cancer-free years. I was in no position to complain about anything. I got 15 years I didn't think I was going to have. So, and with my family, we have uh, a healthy attitude about my lack of health. Uh, The kids remember when I've delivered bad medical news, we usually bring in fried chicken. So anytime there's fried chicken on a weekday, the kids want to know, what's wrong with you, Dad? What's wrong, Dad? But but we joke about it, and I think that sense of humor is part of what gets us all through That's what gets you through sometimes is a sense of humor. Thanks so much for sharing, Dave. 
Thank you. This is Dave Bundy. He's the editor at the Lincoln Journal Star, Lee Enterprises. Um, this is Robin and Dave. Thanks for listening on 1400 AM, 99.3 FM. This city is my city, and I love it. Yeah, I love it. I was born and raised here. I got it made And if I have my way, I'm going to stay. Grow Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Do you see construction and remodeling around Lincoln and wonder what it is? Provide us with an approximate address, photo if you have one, and tell us what you know. We will check it out. This segment is possible today because of Realtors Association of Lincoln, Sarder Heyman Jewelers, and Lincoln Electric System. Zipline Brewery in West Lincoln doing some expansion this week, Dave. They certainly are. They pulled a building permit for $150,000. It's, it's, uh, they're only expanding 45 square feet of uh, one of their areas and then 1,400 square feet of interior remodel for uh, their headquarters there on 2100 Magnum Suite 1, which is out in just West just, South Street. Yeah, right? well, it's kind of just off of O Street. Oh, and, closer to oh, West yes, O. Yeah, closer to West O. You can kind of uh, see it if you're on the uh, Highway 77 there up high. It's just uh, just near the bypass. Ba- near the bypass there. Yeah, yep. yeah, I know where that is. Um, Tuesday morning at East Park is closed now. Um, 200 remaining stores in the United States, though. But, but that company, I didn't realize this. I put I put um, Tuesday morning in East Park, I'm pretty sure. I think I leased that space to them. But they um, are a 49-year-old company, and I did not realize they'd been around that long. Yeah, it's just sad when you see something like that that is been around so long and it just goes to show you you have to constantly particularly in retail keep changing what you're doing yeah they they would get competition from dollar stores but you know i think some of these i mean and i'm speaking as a woman here of course i think marshall's um at home store is big competition i think the the at home at 27th and pine lake is huge competition yeah well, Robin, I saw a building permit that was very significant. This is, and you most people won't know the address, 7055 South 1st, but this is where the new casino is coming in, and that's what uh, this building permit was for. It was the casino addition the to the casino. The, the, the casino, folks. Casino. Uh, to their existing building, $24 million building permit. So we might actually see something. Do we know anything about, okay, there's a casino, but then there's going to be a hotel. Is the hotel further down the road? I'm not exactly sure what the location of the hotel is. I thought it was going to be. No, I meant (laughs) timing-wise. Oh. Like. Okay. uh, Like, are they, does this $24 include that, or is it just the casino No, this is just for the casino. Uh, That's at least the way it appears from the building permit. Okay. Yep. And sometimes there's multiple building permits too. So That's the, correct. So this would not be and the entire been another, cost of the project. There's been another building permit that had been pulled in, in the past. That's I what know. I was thinking. I was thinking. And what was we, just for a parking lot? Yeah. That's right. So. Yeah. So that it'll come in pieces and chunks. Yeah. 
8480 Andermatt. This would be out along Highway 2. Sam's Club. Um, Dave's zone of work. Sam's <laughs> Club, in case you can't figure out where Sam's Club is. This one really surprised me, Robin. This was to replace and remove HVAC equipment and refrigeration equipment. Now, bear in mind, those stores have a lot of refrigeration and a lot of HVAC. Six million dollars. HVAC is heating, ventilation, air conditioning. Six million dollars to replace heating, ventilation, air conditioning, and refrigeration equipment. But they've got a lot of refrigeration in there. How many years old is that Sam's building? It's more than a decade, right? Uh, it's probably about right a decade. About that. Maybe about a decade. So is this something you have to do every 10 years is go in and spend $6 million redoing your refrigeration <laughs> well, equipment? When you're the size of Sam's Club, this doesn't mean much uh, in their big grand scheme of well, things. Well, that's when, true. <laughs> but but for, a lot of, for a lot of people... Uh, that's real money. So it's just it, it's just amazing. I bring this up just because I just don't think people think about how much money has to be generated for a, a facility like that. Yeah. So your little $20 annual fee is going for mostly refrigeration. About <laughs> <laughs> um, 30th in Yankee Hill, Robin. Yeah. We've got... I'm looking at my list here. We've got two things there, one one at 29th and Yankee and one at 3920 Crescent Drive. The Crescent Drive, though, is a ways away. Oh, is from that a that. ways away? Okay. Yeah, All right. A, well, one thing at a time it. here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. John Hansling tweeted a picture of us, the Mercado's new storefront in front of Marshall's store. This is at the Wilderness uh, Hills Shopping Center. At Yeah, the southeast corner of 29th. 27th and Yankee Hill, basically. Um, so this will be the same Mercado as that one up on North 84th underneath the restaurant Casa Bovina. This is another location for the Mercado. He also mentioned that Hawk's Nest Sports Bar is coming to Juicy Lou's at 14th at South 14th Street down the road about a mile. Yeah, not too far. That's at 1245 oh, Libra. Yeah, a little okay. bit north of Yankee Hill. Okay, so then this other one that I was thinking about was 3920 Crescent Drive. So that's south of 40th and Yankee Hill. Capital yes. Eye Care, new construction of an eye care facility, $1.35 So this would be south of Target, right? Correct. Okay. Well, Robin, we're going to have to we're going to have to wrap it up for this segment. That's all for Girl Lincoln. Thanks a lot. Send us photos of businesses opening, closing, or relocating by Facebook or Twitter. Mm-hmm.